Carol and Roni Ruano, used to be Carol Schlimmer, our missionaries in Guatemala, will be with us next Sunday, October 24th. If you'd like to give an offering to the Ruanos, you can put it in an envelope. The envelopes are by the offering boxes on the wall. And then make a check to TCC and mark it for the Ruanos. Hallelujah Night will be Wednesday, October 27th, 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. here at the church. Lots of games, treats, and prizes. We need candy. Bring a bag of candy to church for this fun event. Give it to Kathy Cootley or leave it in the downstairs kitchen. Thank you. Uh, for giving tithes and offerings to the church, you can mail them to 10 Strike Community Church, P.O. Box 67, 10 Strike, Minnesota, 56683, or give online at 10strikechurch.com. Cindy, are you ready to share a word with us? Good morning. Um, I was asked this, to uh, share a blessed life moment. And um, wow, where do I begin? How do you explain the blessings of an almighty God? I want to encourage you this morning, as children of the almighty God, we are so blessed. We need to say it, we need to confess it, and we need to believe it. Let's say it together. I am blessed. One more time. I am blessed. The definition of blessed means God's favor and God's protection in every area of your life. That's spiritually, physically, and financially. His favor and his protection are found in the word. The Word, Jesus is the Word. In Revelations 19.13 says, He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and His name is the Word of God. That means for us, no more defeat spiritually, no more sickness physically, no more poverty financially, when we get a revelation of who God is, he is love. Just what we were singing about this morning. Why? Because he loves us so much. He is good. He is for you, not against you. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, for good and not for evil, to give you a hope and a future. James 1:17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change. Amen. I love that song, His Goodness is Chasing After Me. He literally is chasing us with his supernatural favor. He's chasing us with his divine protection. This is the blessing in every area of our life. We are children of the Most High God. We are heirs of the kingdom. We have, as sons and daughters, we have the keys of the kingdom, the message of eternal life. 2 Corinthians 1.22, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership, in us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 
He has deposited his spirit in us. It is the spirit of power. Holy Spirit, why would we ever walk in defeat? Romans 8.11 says, For the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised Jesus from the dead will give to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Not only does the spirit dwell in you, but he gives life to your mortal body through his spirit. You have Holy Spirit power in you because of the divine power of God. Not anything that we have done, but because of his power. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And where do we get this knowledge? Oh, thank you, Jesus. We can pick it up. We can read it. We can devour it. We can walk in it. And we can receive our blessing in this word right here every day. Our blessing, this is our blessing, right? The promises of God. When I was a child in this church, we used to sing downstairs, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. That means this is true, and I believe it still today. It is true. Proverbs 4, here's one of those promises. Proverbs 4, 20 through 22 says, My son, my daughter, my child, listen to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to your whole body. Thank you, Jesus. I will take it. This is exciting. This is good news. If we listen to his word, the word of God, don't let it out of our sight. Keep it in our heart. We have life and walk in divine health. This is God's favor. This is God's protection. This is a blessed life, and it is all ours. Psalms 103, 1 through 3, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. That's a lot of alls. That's four times in three verses. Let's take the first part of verse three. He forgives all your sins. So if you are a child of God, a son or daughter of the Most High, all your past, present, and future sins are forgiven. Yes, it's true. Jesus went to the cross once. He shed his blood once, once for all. When God looks at you, 
He sees you through the blood of Jesus. The spirit that he's given you is perfect. Yes, your body might not be perfect, your soul isn't perfect, but the spirit that he gave you is absolutely perfect. Your sins were paid for by the blood of Jesus 2,000 years ago. You are completely saved, completely forgiven. That is God's favor and God's blessing. And the second part of verse 3, he heals all your diseases. The Greek word for diseases is maladies. That's any unwholesome condition in your body. Do you have any unwholesome condition in your body? All your past, present, and future diseases, any unwholesome condition, they are already healed. I have good news for you. Anything you have been diagnosed with or anything the doctor says that you have right now has already been healed over 2,000 years ago. Jesus took it in his body so that you don't have to suffer. Because of his wounds, you are healed. It has already been suffered for. It's already been paid for. And anything that Satan tries to put on you in the future, anything you will ever be diagnosed for, has already been healed. You are completely healed. And every symptom in your body, this is how I like to see it, every symptom in your body is a lie. Satan is a liar, and he is the father of lies. You don't have to receive any sickness, any disease, or any unwholesome condition in your body because the Word of God says, 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have already been healed 2,000 years ago. Wow, praise God, this is good news. Jesus already done it. He already done it. He paid the price 2,000 years ago on the cross for us. He's done all he's going to do. So how do we receive it? We need to thank him. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for the salvation. Thank you, Father God, for your healing. Let faith arise in our hearts. Let faith arise and may our enemy be scattered. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are children of the most high God, king of the universe. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. John 10, 10, second half. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. How more abundant than abundantly can that be? I just want to say may you be blessed this morning with all of the blessings from on high. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Cindy, for that definite word. Hallelujah. Well, let's present the word to the Lord. Father, we thank you for what Cindy shared, the truth of your heart, your love, and what Jesus has done. 
And Father, we thank you, your Holy Spirit is here with us today to open up our understanding that we might receive those deposits of revelation that you have for us this morning. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Today, I just want to mention a few things about viewing our world from a heavenly standpoint. And so the Bible says we are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. We have our position in him. And I I remember a t-shirt that I had in the 70s. The front says, keep looking down. You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. So I want to go through some scriptures today, and mainly in 2 Corinthians 5. And I was going to just kind of do a general overview of this whole section, but I don't think we'll get there. But let's start at the end of chapter 4, as this is kind of leading up to chapter 5. And listen to what Paul says. He's talking about the things that he has personally gone through. And he says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. And so this is the battle that we continue to focus on and look at those things which are ours at the right hand of God in Jesus. And it's an amazing thing that as we adopt a Christ-pleasing attitude, that as we stand in this earth, it's giving him, this is how I see it, it's giving him the ability and the right to, or giving him a building material that he is going to infuse into our eternal heavenly life. So let's just look to the Lord for a moment. Jesus Christ at the right hand of God, immovable, unshakable, unchangeable, His his truth is settled forever. We are in the truth. We are of the truth. And we will dwell with him in that condition for eternity. Paul says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So let's just mention a couple of things about this grace. In James 1.12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
it's so important that we take a stand with God when the things of this world come against us. And it's, it's beautiful for once he has been approved. And so that is a process. God is watching how we're standing. God is, you know, he is so blessed and so pleased when our heart is true to him, even as we have to navigate difficult circumstances in this world. The word study dictionary for the word approved tells us to be approved as acceptable men or acceptable people in the furnace of adversity. And so as we approach the end of time, you know, Paul said terrible times will come. And he tells us the condition of society. People be lovers of themselves, you know, unfaithful. truce breakers. And as we approach the end, you know, society is going to be in turmoil because of all the self-centeredness in a higher plane. And so we need to be prepared to take our stand. We're going to walk as heavenly people on this earth. We're going to walk as heavenly people on this earth. We're taking hold of the rock our Father. Taking hold of him, we will be immovable, unshakable. And God is just going to rejoice over our position. And so God is very aware of how we walk through hard times in this life. And, you know, he, he will release his goodness and power and deliver us but yet we still have to walk through things and to just focus on him, enjoy him, love him, worship him. Wow, he is blessed as he sees that commitment. This past week I was just writing down an outline a little bit and thinking about some of these things and I talked to Phyllis on Friday and somehow she started sharing some things that God had been working in her heart. And so I've asked her to share that today because it fits in with what? Well, like Dean said, we were having a conversation and we were talking about God's connection to the individual heart and what does he see in a heart when he can entrust things that are so precious? What did he see in Abraham's heart that he could entrust the revelation of um, Jesus and salvation to the whole world? What did he see in his heart that was so precious to God that he could trust that to him? And as we were um, talking it made me think of, uh, I had seen Rick Joyner a few, maybe it's weeks ago or whatever, and he, he was being interviewed and he said um, he had been very, very sick and it sounded like it was COVID or something, very, very sick. And finally 
he started to get better, but he was still very weak. And then something, something hit him that was completely different and much more aggressive. And he said, I, I was so sick, I didn't even want to deal with it, go to the doctor, nothing. I just was so sick and hurting from daylight to dark and all through the night, just pain through his whole body. And he said, but when it first struck me, it just came up in my heart, no matter what, I'm not going to speak against God. No matter how long this takes, no matter what it is, I'm not going to speak against God. And so it went on for a few days, and then suddenly he was delivered, and he was in the presence of God. And he said, the experience that I had, I have never had an experience like this, and I don't expect I will ever have an experience that will be greater. What he saw, God, he saw the profile of God, and God's head was bowed, and he said he was just crying and crying and weeping. And he said, I don't know if it was spoken to him or he just knew. It's because you didn't speak against me. Oh, my goodness, doesn't that just break your heart to think how fragile when we're in the darkness and it's so, you know, we're, we feel alone. And, we, and that line to, to, between God's heart and ours is so fragile and the devil is trying to um, get us to doubt and speak against and judge and whatever, but it means so much to God. And as I was thinking of this later, I thought, you know, God's love language is trust. That's how he feels our love when we trust him. That's how he can feel that we love it. And we might not think we're doing it perfectly or whatever, but he, it's so precious to him when we just trust him. And I just thought, I want all the darkness and when I've judged and when I've secretly complained and when I've been hurt because I tried so hard and prayed and I, I didn't get the answer that I thought that I should have. And then hardness sometimes comes and we overcome it and go on but sometimes it's there still. And so um, I just want all that washed away so that I can just walk in pure, uncomplicated, sweet trust. Amen. Amen. And so our commitment and our love for God really ministers to his heart. You know, sometimes we focus on what he does for us and the power that's available for us, but we also want to bless his heart as he views our life to have him rejoice, be full of joy, 
how we walk through difficult times is so important. And in 2 Corinthians 5.1, the apostle Paul says, for we know that if the earthly tent, when he's talking about the earthly tent, he's talking about our physical body, which is our house, is torn down. So this is where we're living now. We're living in this physical body on the earth. If that is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What a marvelous thing. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. In this house we groan. Doesn't mean we're going always through difficult things. It just means we're longing, we're groaning, a longing to be clothed with our eternal dwelling, our mansion. Our mansion is going to be what we live in throughout all eternity, a resurrected body. And I, I imagine there's going to be physical realities that we will experience, but the, you know, the prize that God has prepared, prepared for us is a body that will be just like the body that Jesus is living in. Amen. We're longing to be closed upon one translation with our heavenly dwelling. And someday we're going to embrace that. We're going to experience it. Paul says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then in verse 4, the last part of the verse, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. What a wonderful terminology. Our mortality will be swallowed up. We usually think of swallowing down, but it's, here it's swallowed up by life. What a day that will be. In the moment, in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be like him. We will be changed. God wants this to be a living reality that puts our heart above this world, that puts our desires and our passion above this world. And in verse 5, listen to it. Paul declares, now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. He prepared us to be swallowed up by life. Have you ever had an experience of seeing Jesus or having a glimpse of heaven? What a marvelous, what a glorious thing. It's branded into our spirit. And it's just a foretaste of the reality that we will experience when we actually are there face to face. And then in verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so God wants to give you a living reality in your heart 
of what will what he is preparing for us to, to live in and to walk in throughout all throughout all eternity. You know, that resurrected body, that perfect mind that he has awaiting for us. There's going to be perfect communion with God. Not only spirit to spirit, but in our in our thinking. Even the cells of our body will be in union with him. We walk by faith and not by sight. And, you know, we use that in this world by taking the promises and applying them, and that's great. But yet, here he's talking about this faith of in heaven, a faith in Jesus, a, a faith in what he has prepared for us there. And that keeps us in a position of being seated in the heavenlies. And so our faith is anchored above this world. Our faith is secure. It's in Jesus, immovable, unchangeable, cannot be touched by temporal issues. And so no matter what kind of issues we have that we have to face, you know, it can be physical, it can be, you know, relationship, financial, whatever we have to face, we have a rock in heaven that we're standing upon. Immovable. Unchangeable does not even waver in the great love that is being projected to us and given to us and shown to us. And Paul had this marvelous revelation in verse 9, therefore we also having as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. You know, there's something about this that causes our ambition. I just want to please you, Lord. Uh, you are worthy of me working to bring you pleasure. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be Recompense for, the, for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is written to Christians, and so he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ that will be for the, uh, judging the believers. And it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to give account for how we've affected others, not the sins we've, we've committed. Those are forgiven and washed and we're cleansed but yet our words will outlive us. Our words will go before us. And our actions, you know, they will either be infusing life into people, hope, directing them to Jesus, or we can be tearing them down. And we will have to give an account before the Lord. I think it's kind of like, you know, 
when your family becomes aware that maybe your life isn't in the place it should be and there's things going on that are unhealthy for you, they'll do an intervention or they'll, do, they'll bring a confrontation. It's not that they're rejecting you or they don't love you. They're doing this to help you. And in that moment, you know, that's kind of the same thing. In the judgment seat of Christ, we're not condemned, but there will be this giving an account. And I can imagine the alarm that will go up within us. And so he says in verse 11, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, we need to fear the Lord. All-powerful, almighty, all-glorious. He's our friend, he's our brother. But there's also a fear of him because we must give account before the perfect judge. And if we have harmed his body, if we have harmed Christians by what we have said, the attitudes we've carried, there's going to be a calling to account in that day. And so let's just be, you know, this is given to us so that we can be working to please him. Amen. So in our embracing of the love and mercy of God, we must maintain our fear of the Lord. We will stand before his judgment seat where he judges believers. Amen. And so this is our goal, to be pleasing to him. And as we're laying up treasure in heaven, Wow, all those marvelous things, those perfect motivations that God brings into our heart through his love. It says we do not fear judgment because we are like him in this world. And so what we are doing, we're motivated by God within us. We can walk in that, we can live in that, and we can lay up for ourselves great treasure in heaven. Hallelujah. And in verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. So Paul, taking his position with the Lord in heaven, he says, This is what we have concluded, that Jesus died for all, and therefore all died. That's how he saw his world. Jesus bore the failures of everyone in the world and he called the world to himself. This is not active unless we receive him. This does not become a reality in our experience unless we give our life to him. This is not talking about ultimate reconciliation or some of those things that go around in, our, in the religious society. But the, the, the provision is there. Jesus bore the sins of the world. And so all 
that has to be done is that we call on him in truth and love. We open up our heart. We receive the way that he has made. He brings that cleansing, forgiveness, transformation into our life. In verse 15, this is why Jesus died. He died for all so that though they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He died for all that we might live wholeheartedly for God. Jesus knew the thrill of living wholeheartedly for God as he walked on the earth. And he died that we could enter in to his attitude. Verse 16, therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. This is the transforming reality that we can, that we can experience. We look at people and we don't have to know them just after the flesh, their own weakness and their own areas of failure, we can see them through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then he comes to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all things are from God. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A lot of times we'll take that verse out, apply it to ourselves, or, you know, we use it for in a witnessing place. But that if any, you know, this is the answer. If people are living in darkness, the answer is that they become a new creature in Christ. If, if there are things that are dominating people's lives, the answer is that they become a new creature in Jesus. And Paul says, this is how I view my world. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's black and white. It's black and white. It's not just doing behavior modification, trying to make somebody live a little bit better or something. This is behavior transformation. If anyone is in Christ, and so when we begin praying for our families that aren't walking with God, or we have these different things, different people that we're interceding for, our prayer is, Lord, I call upon you, visit them, Lord. Let them receive you, let them become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself and, and through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I like the King James, to wit. 
or namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The Apostle Paul would say, I determined when I came among you not to, do, not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What great love, what great mercy, what great passion. He sent Jesus to reconcile the world to himself. And Jesus followed that love and mercy to, to the total extent of perfection, even to the point of offering up his body on the cross. He died, was buried, but he rose again. And he welcomes us into resurrection life through simple faith in him. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be brought near again to God. Be brought near. If you've never experienced it, be brought near to God through his blood. This is the appeal of the New Testament. This is the appeal of the heart of God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. God made him who did not know any sin, Jesus Christ, to become our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That we might become the righteousness of God. He caused me to be his righteousness. Let's just think about that for a moment. God the Father caused me to become his righteousness. in Christ. That's how much his passion reached down to you, to me, to us. That's how strong his desire is that we would walk in eternity without any sense of a rift between us and him. We are his righteousness in Christ. And God caused it. He caused it to be Not only did he cover me with his righteousness, but he took my life, crucified it with Jesus, buried and raised up with him. He ascended to the Father's side. And now this is what I am. I am the righteousness of God. I am in Jesus. If you could, can say today that you have made that commitment that surrender to the way that God has made in Jesus Christ. If you can 
confidently say from your own heart and looking at your own conscience and looking at your own desires, I have embraced Jesus. I've embraced him as the only way of the Father. I've welcomed him, his life, into my life. I've turned toward God with all my heart. If you can say that with confidence, you can say that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you haven't, can't say that this morning, the answer is just one step away. I receive you, Jesus, as my total salvation. I receive you as the on, my only way to the Father. I receive you as the one who can totally forgive all my mistakes and sins. I receive you. I embrace you. I love you. I give my life unreservedly to you. God is looking for a wholehearted response from us. Not just playing at religion or trying a little bit. He's looking for a wholehearted response to this way that he has made. Wholehearted, nothing held back. If you found that that original commitment in your life to Jesus has dimmed a bit and the things of life have kind of overrun you and distracted you and that heart pulse for God has seemingly been lessened. Today is a day. During worship this morning, you, you could feel that call again, that fresh call from the Father. Last week during worship, we could feel that call. God is calling. Let's respond. The Holy Spirit is here with you right now to open up your heart that you might give it all to him. To give it all to him. Let's pray. So all that we've heard now about our, our, our responsibility to God, let's just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I receive the way that you have made I receive Jesus as my only way. I recognize I have failed, but I receive Jesus as the only way to your great loving heart. I give myself unreservedly to you. Take me, captivate me, fill me with your spirit. I am yours forevermore. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. God has a great future for us. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? bless you. Have a great day and join us for fellowship and a meal. Amen.
you have a personal need, be glad to pray with you. Amen. Thank you.